0: Always, no, because you'll put it in if I do singing. Hello,
1: welcome to Refigure, your weekly. Your weekly adventure... I can't remember what the fucking podcast is. (laughs) A weekly adventure into the arts, culture...
0: Tech and diversity. Nice. I'm
1: Christopher. And I'm Reefer. How are you doing?
0: People have been listening to our podcasts on Double Speed to get through when they're behind. Did you know that?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't even know that was a thing.
0: Steph Paul's our friend on the Isle of Man. Listened to all 13 episodes of Double Speed he, he said he quite enjoyed that. It was like we were with him. Everybody likes that, isn't it? While they're doing their stuff in their house, tinkering with websites, whatever they do, they listen to us in the background and feel like we're keeping them company.
1: On double speed?
0: Well, maybe not double speed, 1.5 speed.
1: All right. I mean, we talk quite quickly anyway, don't we? So I wonder if it sounds like... <laughs> On the podcast this week, we went to see Steve McQueen's new film, Widows, which is written by Gillian Flynn and was based on the amazing 80s TV series, Widows, the Linda LaPlante show.
0: I watched John Leguizamo's Latin History of America for Morons, his Broadway show is now on Netflix.
1: And uh, we also went to Tate Modern to look at Christian Markley's piece of cinematic art Clock. It's just called Clock, I think.
0: Glock, the clock. Postbag. You got any postbag, Chris? Did you, you get any fan mail?
1: You said Billy Reeves got in touch. That was nice.
0: He just said, I love your podcasts. Oh, that's
1: on cool. On Facebook.
0: That's really sweet. I'll come back to that later. Darren Garrett, he said um, he liked our font that we're using on the, uh, on the thing. <laughs> if people don't send stuff in, how am I supposed to do a postbag?
1: Isn't that the second praise you've had for that typeface? I've got a feeling earlier in the run.
0: No, I tell you what, it's the same typeface that's used on the book that we mentioned last time, um, Super Engaged by Nikki Gattenby.
1: Oh, I see. They
0: use a similar font.
1: Did they steal it off us?
0: No, you know fonts are like for everyone, Chris. Oh. You can't steal fonts.
1: This is the penultimate episode of season one of Refigure, so there will be a final episode next week. And then we will do a couple of specials over the Christmas season. And then we're going to relaunch probably in early spring 2019.
0: Whatever. <laughs> Does it matter? Because it's a podcast, so people can listen whenever they like.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I'm just keeping people in All the right. loop loops. we do.
0: Loops. Spaghetti loops.
1: We have just got back from a screening of Steve McQueen's new heist thriller, Widows, which was written by Gillian Flynn, who made Gone Girl. Obviously, Steve McQueen is a filmmaker who made 12 Years a Slave and a few other great films. And it stars Viola Davis.
0: Liam Neeson's in it.
1: Didn't you say you saw the original TV series?
0: Yes, I did watch the original series. I used to love those sort of crime thrillers in the 80s. Well, it's very loosely based on the on the series because, and maybe even the books, I don't know, I never read them. But it's not really the same story. The only thing that's similar is that it's four women whose husbands will die on a botched job. Uh, they're all criminals and then they decide they're all destitute because they haven't got any money they're left with nothing so all the wives get together in order to do a bank job so that's the same story
1: what did you think of the film reefer?
0: oh why do i go first
1: do you not want to go first
0: I really enjoyed it for similar reasons to why I enjoyed the series in the 80s. is because there are really strong female characters in it. This is slightly different because you've got Viola Davis in the lead role as the instigator. She gets everyone together and makes them do the... The job in the first place. It's really pacey. It's really exciting. There are loads of incredible characters in it um, and really brilliant acting. What I really liked about it, though, is that Steve McQueen's direction. He puts some um, really intimate moments between the, the the couple. Viola Davis's husband is Liam Neeson, and uh, it's really intimate. So you you get an insight and a kind of romance that's really subtle and beautiful and yet it's in the middle of this pretty violent in places heist movie. It's not a funny film at all, there's no there's no humour in it at all, which sometimes with these kinds of films, when you've got female leads, even if it's uh, supposed to be a serious film, you get a bit of humour in there and they're all like some bit of slapstick happens because, God forbid, you could have like strong female beautiful characters or women looking really buff in their... 40s and 50s but this one nails it and then it makes you think because it's so subtle and it's set in Chicago where you've got different gangs going on and uh, establishment people and all different kinds of um, races working together whether that's like have we seen a film like that before because you're so used to not because it's so natural in this film and it all works really well the pace of it is brilliant. I was wrapped from beginning to end which is my signature thing which means it's five stars for me
1: that's great i love how it seems to be two films at once it's almost as if steve mcqueen is sneaking another film in so on the surface you've got a proper thrilling heist movie like loads of classic heist tropes it feels exciting right from the get-go basically after her husband dies in this bank robbery gone wrong there are some corrupt villains who are also running for public office so there's that it weaves out a bit like the wire into political corruption but anyway these villains threaten her and say she owes them two million dollars and that's what sort of triggers her trying to start looking at her what her husband was planning to do and maybe doing a job of her own what was i going to say that's a kind of classic heist setup, and it's really exciting and yet beneath it the power of the story about race and class and corruption that he manages to tell without seeming preachy or without distracting from the exciting thriller is quite incredible. And there are several bits of really audacious filmmaking, like in the direction, that show you the backgrounds, like show you the enormous privilege of one place and show you the incredible poverty of another place, and then show you that they are living back to back and on top of each other and they coexist in a very intimate entangled way that it is impossible to take away the corruption of and he does all of that whilst telling this incredibly tense exciting story.
0: There's a couple of bits in it as well where they don't steer away from the fact that Viola Davis is a middle-aged black woman in the film but they don't bang on about it they just do these literally subtle things like she gets invited to have a meeting with the um, candidate and it has to go to his fancy house and we think that she's passing through quite Normally, but actually, at one point, they all turn around and look at her and wonder what she's doing there because it's so incongruous for her to be there. Nobody says anything, but it's the underlying thing, and of course, there's a bit with her son in it as well, which I won't spoil for you because you're all going to go and see it.
1: And also, there's a whole way the filming shifts where at the very beginning, you're almost being misdirected about who this film is about. I mean, part of that's the casting of Liam Neeson, but you are misdirected he is in the middle of the screen and she is at the side of the screen or there are white male characters who are given quite a decent chunk of screen time very early on that fools you into thinking that maybe this is their film and we totally accept that as normal and then when it becomes a film about the women it really hits you harder that that is the story that's about to unfold. It's fantastic.
0: Viola Davis is such a phenomenal actor and uh, the casting is brilliant. I even liked, um, what's his name, um, Carolyn Farrell's performance because I've never seen him play like vulnerable and a bit scared of his dad and not really understanding what's going on. Like, he, he plays that really well. There's some really good um, Paperboys in it as well. But anyway.
1: Brian Tyree Henry.
0: Alright, Brian Tyree Henry's in it, and who he played, plays Paperboys. He's in, brilliant. Paperboy's in awesome. Atlanta. He's fantastic. I get him. <laughs> he's playing another gangster, it's fine. But but Viola Davis, I really believe her performance in this film. Except I don't quite believe that she loves Liam Neeson, <laughs> right, in it. But also she doesn't like her dog. That's not her dog. She's totally not into that dog.
1: Well, I couldn't disagree more. I completely believed the love story. I thought there was hard hardness to her character and a hard edge to them that they've been alike together for quite a long time, and also that they've That's been affected nothing. by tragedy. Yes. Okay. So I totally believed all that, and I, I don't can't all believe right. you say the thing about the dog. She's well, carrying the dog all the way through. When does she sh- give you a hint that she doesn't like She's the dog? She's
0: holding the dog at sort of arm's length all the time. People with dogs, <laughs> that ca- especially people women that carry their dogs, right? carry them like a baby and they're like on their dog. they talk them
1: yeah that's how i thought she was She's no a, she okay. wasn't
0: She basically doesn't look her dog in the eye at all
1: the other sensational performance is daniel kalua from get out is get- that his name kalua yeah daniel like kalua, the drink. yeah i mean it's spelled how i, I do... mean maybe i'm pronouncing it a little bit horrible but daniel kalua from this
0: is gonna be the episode where we get everybody's name wrong
1: like yeah.
0: accent wise, because I've got a really good one to say in a minute. Yeah, you yeah. have
1: and you yeah. Daniel Kalua from Get Out and Kalua. Black Panther and loads of other things is totally fucking terrifying. Really good. I loved that.
0: It would be my film of the year if Black Panther hadn't come out in January. Yeah. But it's up there. It's up there. <laughs> There's a jingle
1: anyway.
0: Yeah, i a there? jingle. All right. So while you were out doing something else, I watched John Leguizamo's Latin History of America for Morons. It's a one-man Broadway show which is on Netflix at the moment. So it's just him talking as if we're in a lecture, telling the story about how his kids getting bullied, and how that inspired him to help his son understand about his roots as a Latin American. He was like, well, who are my heroes? I don't know. I don't have any Latin American heroes. I need to dig deeper and find out about this stuff. Anyway, in the course of this two-hour show, he basically creates this scenario where it's absolutely hilarious, but he's also educating us as well. There's some phenomenal dancing if that's just one little strand of what Latin America has given to the world is samba and tango and mumba (laughs) so the things that stood out for me things that I needed to be reminded of and things that I needed to that I didn't really know were for example the complete genocide of the Incas the Mayans the Apache the Navajo the Cherokee incredible tribes that had their own technology that had their own systems of working and that he talks about how there was a thousand years of peace in the caribbean what we call the caribbean now before columbus discovered america that when columbus arrived and met the tiano tribe they were the most gentle people on the planet and it took him months to kind of wipe them out by giving everybody syphilis wow it's fantastic, and of course, all this history has been written out of American textbooks, and I've written in my notes at the time of European contact in the late 15th century, the Tiano were the principal inhabitants of Cuba, Hispaniola, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, and the Bahamas, and the northern Lesser Antilles, which he does this slight thing on the blackboard of lots and lots of tiny little dots. This guy called Columbus, everybody celebrates in um, America on Columbus Day, wipe them out. There's a lot of dancing, there's gazillion characters and impressions, but he also recommends a bunch of books for all the morons that don't know all this history. Um, the People's History of the United States by Howard Singh and 1491 New Revelations of the Americas Before Columbus by Charles C. Mann, for example. And he also talks about concepts like ancestral PTSD He talks a bit right at the beginning about DNA, like what the DNA of the Latino people are. You know, they were the original people. They're mostly Indian. And he also talks about ghetto rage. You know, part of that is the fact that he thought that he would protect his own son. With his success, his wealth, he's put his son in a private school thinking that he would never have the kinds of problems that he had and the kinds of racism that he had to put up with so it's well funny (laughs) because he makes it really entertaining okay i'm making it better watch it now before it goes cool call to action sorry my phone keeps buzzing
1: i have been very excited that Tate modern has brought back christian markley's clock which is an extraordinary work of art that i already love he made it in 2010 and in 2012 it was group purchased by a bunch of about five or six major galleries including Tate Modern. So now it's got to run in Tate Modern through till the 20th of January. The Clock is a 24-hour film made up entirely of short cut excerpts of other films from the history of cinema, Hollywood and from around the world. Occasionally bits of well-known TV as well but mostly cinema films each clip either has like a clock in the background or you see the time on someone's watch or by a bedside clock or whatever or someone mentions what the time is and at each moment the time mentioned on the clip is the real time in the real world so this basically is a 24-hour clock made up entirely of these clips edited together and they are edited together in a really sublime careful clever way like cinema editing like they would be if they were made as one proper film except that of course because it's random clips from all over the history of Hollywood they don't actually tell a linear story of any kind so in the tape, they've got what feels like a small comfortable cinema it's pretty busy because it's free so there are always a lot of people there you go in and you stand at the back and if you can find a seat you sit down and you watch this film on a big screen it's one of my favorite pieces of art that I have ever seen I don't know how but it induces in me a very powerful reaction and it does a couple of things to me one it brings me into the moment in a really powerful way even though fundamentally it's an abstract piece of work because although these scenes in and of themselves have drama and human interaction and pathos and they're funny and sad and they have all the things that you would get from cinema once you stitch them all together you're having to do any kind of connective telling of the story your brain does the kind of creating stories for you as it goes on and the other thing it does is it drives empathy for me really powerfully so when I come out of it after spending a bit of time in there I'm hugely connecting with people around me and looking at people in a slightly different way and I think it's because my brain's got in this habit quite quickly of trying to create human stories out of these random clips of film Anyway, I flippin' love it. I've been in twice in the last week. I went for two hours on my own and that was really amazing. And then we went back a few days ago with a couple of friends and I'd love to know what you thought of it because I knew what I was getting into and I was just really excited to see it. What was your reaction?
0: When you tried to explain it to me I thought that the whole point of it was really dumb. (laughs) I have to say. This is going to sound really, really bad. But visual art like that, movies, I find sometimes a bit tedious because I am always trying to find some meaning. You know, when we got in there and it was quarter to 12 there was all this kind of build up to it being 12 and then it was a kind of almost anti-climax after that and then it happens again so it's almost like the crescendo is always at the top of the hour each time because those are the key points in certain films I thought it was really cleverly done as well because he'll sort of look at the common themes or tropes that he'll sort of next to each other as we're going through the hour for example there'll be Penelope Cruz sitting in the rain and then another girl sitting in the rain waiting for something to happen or like loads of different people leaping onto trains you know because they're late for things and and then he'll return back to something but because of those bits because of this obsession with time that everybody has it creates this sort of feeling within you of like well he's he's created that with the, the splicing because you're trying to make sense of it and then there is some bits of sense in there. For me, it's kind of tiring and a bit weird, and it's surreal because it's happening in real time as well. So your brain starts hurting because you think, "Oh fuck, I just need to be somewhere." Because everybody's thinking about the fucking time all the time. It <laughs> did my head in a bit. It did but you my head watched in a bit. it
1: for an hour and a half, know. which is as long th- as a film almost.
0: Yeah, and it, that's the weirdness because you're trying, you're, you're waiting for something to happen, and nothing does that's why it's art so were you bored no i wasn't bored but that's the point it becomes tiring because of the adrenaline or the expectation and the letdown it's like that's a very impressive thing for art to do in a visual way right because it's not telling the story like the film we went to see just now was very conventional we know that at some point it's going to end this is never ending it never ends
1: Yeah, I adore it. But
0: it's when you talk oh. about it, you're like, this is my favourite piece of art of all time. It's like, what, like, yeah. since you've been looking at art.
1: Would you recommend people go and see it?
0: I think so. It's free. It is free. You can pop along. Comfortable um, seats. Nice seats, although I would get annoyed if you have to, like, hang around. You don't have to hang around for too long, but you might have to stand at the back and then get a seat and run for the seat.
1: If you get there really early in the morning and just sit in your seat, you could be there all day.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's intense.
1: Well, I really love it, hugely recommend it. It's Christian Markley's Clock at Tate Modern, and it's running till the 20th of January. And also, on the 1st of December, they have a 24 hour open screening so you can watch all the bits that are out of their normal hours. I think they're doing a few of those, but that's the one I can remember. What are you reeling for?
0: What are you reeling for? What
1: are, you <laughs> what are you reading for? What are you reading for? What are you
0: reading for, Oh, I just wanted to reference how Zeitgeist I was it's banging on about um Pepper Pot and Frida Kahlo, turning in a grave about that, back in episode one. Oh, yeah. Because there was an article, it was actually right at the end of October that this um, article came out, an opinion piece about... Oh, I've lost it now, hang on. It's on the daysdigital.com website and it's an opinion piece by Ayula Solarin. You won't know if I'm telling it right or not. You don't know. And it talks about how um, Frida Kahlo would be turning in her grave if she saw how much merch there was about her. And especially because Snapchat did a filter uh, which um, lightened her skin. It says here, Frida Kahlo's commodification has been a quick and brutal one from socks to macrame wall hanging you can literally get anything with Carlo's face on it she says there's a righteous constant need for representation of women, disabled people, queer people and people of colour in the media
1: so that's a good thing then
0: yeah it is a good thing but at the same time just because you're wearing a Frida Kahlo badge doesn't mean you're a feminist okay? or a t-shirt that's what this article goes on about you know It says, it's no surprise that when Barbie manufacturer Mattel thought it could get away with creating a monoless Frida Barbie doll and that Theresa May bizarrely thought she could pull off an Etsy-esque chunky bracelet with Carlo's face neatly framed on all sides, that there's an outcry because austerity has led to the worst standard of living for disabled people, ethnic minorities and women in the UK.
1: I read an excellent piece in the Washington Post it came out on the 10th of November by April Ryan. And April Ryan is one of three black women journalists in one week that Donald Trump has been particularly rude to. Uh, Yamiche Al-Sidon and Abby Phillip and April Ryan all had things like, sit down and shut up, or you're always lying, and or you can't be trusted. And uh, she's written a fantastic article reflecting on this, called I'm a black woman Trump loves insulting people like me and she has dug into the glee and the extra vim with which he is viciously rude to experienced, seasoned senior journalists and we know he hates journalists across the board but when it is a black woman who asks him a challenging question he just turns into a horrible little racist brat and she's dug into it in a really effective way. It's a good piece and it's in the Washington Post.
0: Is it on their website? Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: you can read it on, on there. Not
0: behind a paywall? It
1: is not behind a paywall unless I somehow have accidentally okay. managed to subscribe to Washington Post. I
0: think the word VIM is underused. We should drop that in more often. And Verve is another one I like.
1: And that is our podcast for this week. Join us next week for the very last in this series of Refigure. Are
0: we going to do a Christmas special? Because I really want to do jingle, like jingle, jingle Yeah, we
1: are going to do a Christmas special. And we're going to do our alternative Christmas message on Christmas Day we're going oh, to release it and it's going to come out at the same moment as the queen's official Why christmas do you make me message
0: because
1: you will love it because you get to rant about something and we're probably going to do review of the year and maybe get your contributions so we have asked you for questions and comments about culture, please get in touch with oh. us, especially if you're gonna record them and tell us your favorite arts of the year, your favorite moments of diversity or in technology this year. Ask us any questions you fancy asking. Basically, we're gonna try and put together a kind of audience-focused episode where you contribute loads of the content so that we don't have to, but we'll still be here talking about it. The best way to do that, visit us on Facebook. We are facebook.com refigurepod. That's facebook.com slash refigurepod. And you can use the Facebook address to send us any audio or any questions or just comments or whatever you would like. We'd love to hear from you. It'd be brilliant. You can be as rude or silly or serious as you like. It'd be really nice. And uh, given how hard we're going to have to work to get enough content, if you say something and it's not completely useless, you'll definitely get on air. You really will
0: i've still got places on my refigure event that's happening on the 21st of november i think that's the only one i'm going to do this year that's the final one look on eventbrite find refigure reflect event also i just want to give another shout out to the marlborough uh, theater in brighton who's still got their crowdfunder up because they hit their target with a week to go oh that's fantastic <clears throat> 10 grand they wanted to spruce up their space if you go to crowdfunder.co.uk 10 years of queer then you'll find it they're on a stretch target now which means that they'll get definitely get that 10k but they'll try for a little bit more as they've got a few days left I'm
1: speaking at the conference From Me To You, London 2018 conference. Um, I'm talking about dealing with failure and dealing with giving up stuff. It's a music industry conference. It's on the 1st of December at Rich Mix. And you can get tickets for that at musicglue.com slash fm2u. And number two, so...
0: You said number two. I don't
1: know why they put number two. <laughs> fm number two you maybe that's the actual secret name of the conference and it's a conference where everything is about poo
0: don't say that
1: no i'll edit that out and i think that's all from us isn't it
0: thanks so much for listening please join us again next week for our final show of 2018 like us subscribe leave a review recommendation testimonial And send us some cute messages all over our Instagram, which is Refigure UK. Bye. Goodbye.